This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Well, hello and welcome to the Academy Show podcast on the Blood Red channel. I'm your host, Paul Wheelock, and I'm delighted to say I'm joined by our Liverpool under-18s and under-23s experts, Matt Addison, to talk the latest from Kirby. But given, like the first team, the Academy sides are not in action at the moment, we are going to do something a little different on this show. But we will start by just wrapping up where the under-18s and under-23s stand as they wait for this season to resume. We'll also talk a little bit about Harvey Elliott, who turned 17 this weekend and who will be rewarded sooner rather than later with a first-team contract. But we will finish the podcast with Matt's top 10 plays to watch coming through the Academy ranks. Uh, it's a great list, but before we get to that, let's just round up what happened before this enforced break and where the under-23s and under-18s stand now, Matt. Yeah, it feels like so long since there was football of any kind, doesn't it? And the under-23s and under-18s had a a little bit of a, a break before and um, football as a whole had a break as well so it, it's been even longer for them and, you know for, for the under 23s it's, it's sort of the league season is pretty much over in terms of competitiveness they were fifth as it stands and, and still are of course with no more games having been played but they do have a game in hand against Blackburn Rovers and if they were to win that that would take them up to four so they've played 17 out of the 22 games but it would be, uh, be nice to, to try and finish that at some point and of course they've got that postponed Wolfsburg game in the, the Premier League International Cup that we were looking forward to on the, the last podcast and you know it, it was a shame that, that that one got called off but of course coronavirus um, meant basically that, that Wolves, Wolfsburg didn't want to, to travel over to England which was fair enough and you know uh, when you consider that Alexio Madrid's players travelled over from Madrid the day after it, it certainly seems like the, the German side made a, a more sensible decision shall we say but uh, in terms of uh, the under 18 that's that's probably where the, the bigger talking point stands, I would say. Obviously, as we've spoken about in the past, uh, a, a sort of title race for, for them still involved in that. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm sure we'll, we'll dive into that in, uh, in just a second. Yeah, definitely. It was it was almost like a precursor for the things to come, wasn't it? The Wolfsburg game. I remember actually being in the office and almost slipped slipped through the cracks a little bit, didn't it? But it is, and you you can imagine we can't second guess anything that's happening at the moment. But you can imagine that maybe one that uh, bites the bullet. Yeah, I mean, who knows what's going to happen with with that sort of thing? But yeah, it's uh, it's certainly not the the top priority for UEFA and, and sort of those sorts of governing bodies to, to sort out at this moment in time you'd like to think that that competition will, will get finished at, at some point but of course senior football will will take precedence and you know for, for a multitude of reasons that is the case and yeah I think uh, certainly they'll try and get the academy's leagues finished but the sort of longer distance travelling that, that would take place for, for these sorts of games to take place whether they'll ever happen who knows at this stage who knows and as you say there we hopefully the domestic competitions will be finished we're certainly all saying that about the Premier League the first team at Liverpool given how close the side are to the title but as you mentioned a moment ago it's the under 18s are in a not dissimilar position you know they are right in the mix for the Premier League under 18s North title and it, they must be absolutely gutted if, if the same happens to their season you know if, it, if it's delayed by a long period or God forbid it's actually declared null and void yeah, again, it's been a fantastic season for Barry Lucas and his players. We've obviously followed them very, very closely over the last sort of 12 to 24 months with the, the FA Youth Cup run, of course, last season and another title race last season as well. And yeah, second as it stands, as I mentioned, in, in the Premier League under 18 North Division, but seven games to go and, and 12 points behind Manchester City, but they do have two games in hand. So 
they've still got to play Everton, Newcastle, West Brom, Wolves, Manchester United, Sunderland and Derby before the end of this season. And, you know, that that does present a little bit of a problem and there's so many matches to, to sort of squeeze in once we do get back to playing football. But uh, they're, of course, already out of Europe. They lost to, to Benfica, which, again, uh, that was, I think, their last game before the break. And it just seems like such a long time ago now because we've had no football for so long. Yeah, and looking at it, really with the under-18s, it's not about winning leagues at that level. It's about development, and there's no question that the players are developing from the under-18s. You see the amount of players who are now playing for the under-23s and the ones who have even played for the first team when the season was playing, you know, in the in the Carabao Cup and the FA Cup. But I'm sure Barry Lucas and his players, the winners, aren't they? They'll, they'll want to try and do their best to finish this season and, and possibly overhaul City at the top. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we've spoken so many times about how development is, is absolutely the, the key for these players, and you know, winning, winning trophies and winning things isn't necessarily the first priority. But you saw how much joy and, and how much sort of excitement it created last season. I mentioned the FA Youth Cup, and I'm sure I'll mention that again before the end of the podcast because it was, you know, it, it was a, a fairly big thing for the for the players who were involved. So. Winning tournaments and, and trophies is, is important as well. And, you know, for, for them to be able to finish this season and to sort of put right the, the 4-2 defeat against Manchester City, um, that was two games ago, but six weeks ago, um, to try and put that right in the title race, that was a, a little bit of a setback. But you know, there, there, there is still time for them to turn it round and, and hopefully we get back to, to playing football sooner rather than later and, and these players can finish off the games win as many of them as possible and, and just see where they're at there's, there's no real pressure on them to win anything but of course if you ask any one of the players or, or any one of the staff who are involved they'd love for that to be the case most definitely we all know that uh, the first team are not at Melwood anymore not even the injured players given the stricter restrictions that have been placed upon society across the UK uh, when the kind of notices started coming out from the government things swiftly moved the academy, didn't they? Exactly like the same as the first team. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I mean, it, it was almost a little bit earlier in some ways. I mean, Liverpool's obviously under-18s and under-23s were supposed to be playing Everton the, the same weekend as the senior Merseyside derby was supposed to take uh, to take place on the Monday night. But uh, yeah, I mean, Finch Farm went into lockdown, I think, before um, it, was, it was made compulsory. And certainly they had planned for that game that weekend to be behind closed doors. That was going to be at, at, uh, at Southport, I think. But um, yeah, Liverpool as well, not not officially called off straight away, but initially it was going to be behind closed doors at Kirby. And, and then, of course, that message escalated. Mikel Arteta, I think it was maybe on the Thursday night, came out and, and said that he'd conducted the, contracted the virus, I should say. And obviously, as you say, things moved very, very swiftly from the top and, the sort of general rules that were applied at senior level applied in exactly the same way to the academy as well. So, yeah, um, I mean, just just to reflect on that that crazy few days, really, I mean, things if things escalated so so quickly. Um, I think there was a little bit of frustration from a lot of people, myself included, at the time that the games had been called off, and you know, I wasn't able to get across. I was supposed to be covering both of those games that weekend, and. You know, it, it was slightly annoying at the time that, that I couldn't go and do that, but obviously now you, you look back and it was clearly the right decision and, and both Liverpool and Everton took on board the guidelines from, from the government and from the governing bodies and both of them made the absolute correct decision, there's no doubt about that. 
Completely agree. Of course, we're talking there about two separate sites, the academy in Kirby and then the first team at Melwood in West Derby. But before too long, but maybe not as soon as expected, both teams and squads and well, the whole club will be training at one site in Kirby. But recently, Paul Ghost, I think it was an exclusive, our Liverpool FC correspondent for the Echo, actually revealed that the training ground, it's had a little bit of a setback, understandably, given what's happening in the world. Yeah, um, so obviously the, the plan was for the academy and the first team set up to merge by early July and, and as Paul Ghost reported uh, about a week or so ago, obviously that July date isn't going to happen now but of course you do have to factor in as well that the football season is going to be pushed back. True, yeah. It's probably probably still going to be uh, in place in time for pre-season so as much as the sort of building work and construction as, as grounds were halt at this moment in time for, for obvious reasons the first team will be able to continue training at Melwood and, and really there's not going to be any impact on the senior team or the academy teams despite the fact that there's going to be a, a delay to building work because there's going to be a, a delay to everything so in terms of the impact that they feel it's going to be minimal if, if anything at all. Yeah, I'm sure the first team and the academy staff can't wait to see each other again. I know there's a, a video being released on the LFC's official social channels today of the players doing a shared yoga session together. It's absolutely brilliant. You can see the bond between them. I'm sure it'll be the same with the academy. But uh, one of the last podcasts, we were actually talking about how there was a key member of the academy having left the setup, Neil Critchley had gone from the under-23s manager to take over to Blackpool. It does seem like a long time ago, even though it was only a month ago. Uh, how's he been getting on and how's the search for his replacement? Has that been put on hold or do you think behind the scenes this might actually give the club a bit of time to do something? Yeah, I mean, definitely in terms of the, the replacement to come to that first, I think Barry Lucas is, is probably still the most likely at this stage to, to step up from the under-18s into that under-23s sort of position but uh, yeah we're, we're not expecting anything official anytime soon I think the postponement of games means that probably the, there might not even be an announcement until the end of the season it just gives you know gives everyone the opportunity to, to finish off this season consider what they need to consider and, and as obviously we've discussed already the, the positions of the under 18s and the under 23s I think it makes sense probably for given that the under the uh, under-23s are sort of mid-table and not really challenging at the top. And contrast that with the under-18s being right in the midst of the title race. I think it, it makes sense to, to make the appointment at the end of the season rather than now. I think Barry Lucas will, will probably want to finish off the season with his group of players that he's got and you know, with the, the under-18s doing as well as they have been. I think it's probably only fair to, to give him the rest of this season with that current group and, and then maybe make some changes as they move into this new training facility in Kirby over the summer. Yeah, I'm sure his former staff members and former players will be keeping an eye on what Neil Critchley's getting up to. And like so many people across football, he'll probably be frustrated, but completely understanding of the decision to to put the, the season on hold. But how did he get on in his first few games or first couple of games as in charge of Blackpool? Yeah, um, so a 0-0 draw with, with Fleetwood Town was the, the first result and I think we touched on that on the last podcast and, and then since then he's actually been involved in, in a game with Tramia Rovers of course, a, a team that anyone on Merseyside knows well and that was a 2-1 defeat unfortunately, Tramia en- uh, ended up winning that one so certainly positive for them but uh, yeah, made the wait for his first win um, and obviously unprecedented times, it must be a, a real bizarre situation for him to have taken over and, and then having to, to work remotely with his players, it, it's going to be, 
you know, really difficult for, for any team to, to maintain match fitness and sort of, you know, do all that sort of thing. But when you're trying to implement your ideas and try and put your sort of fingerprints into this squad that he's got on his hands now, I think, you know, this coronavirus break has, has come at the worst possible time for everyone, but certainly Neil Critchley more than most, given that he's only just got into a job and, and he's had to stop already. Of course, he got that job on the back of the work he did with the under-23s and probably what brought him to national prominence was the uh, victory led Liverpool to over Shrewsbury Town in the FA Cup and also the performance they produced that young side in the Aston Villa Carabao Cup quarter-final tie. Uh, and obviously one of the players who really stood out in those matches was Harvey Ellis Helliot, who we, we mentioned at the top of this podcast, the fact that he's turning 17 this weekend and that does mean that he can sign a first professional contract on that day. But do you think, given this situation the scenario we're in the moment he may just have a have to wait a little longer for that yeah I mean I'm not too sure what to expect to be honest I think obviously in ordinary circumstances I think as soon as he turned and seen that the club would probably announce that but whether that's changed whether the fact that the coronavirus outbreak means that you know there's, there's no social contact or, or anything like that at the moment so maybe he'll have to wait it's the only thing that, that might change that and, and might mean that there is an announcement this weekend is, is if this deal has already been agreed well in advance I mean there's, there's a good chance that that is the case I think obviously the club will have, have signed him pretty much 99.5% certain that they were going to offer him a professional contract when it came to, to doing this and I think probably the paperwork and that sort of thing will have been long signed off and, and long agreed so there is the potential that it could be announced over this weekend, but I mean, the, the one thing that we do know for certain is that Harvey Elliott's got a huge future ahead of him. And I mean, it, it's the fact that he's only just turning 17 on Saturday is, is really quite remarkable when you see him play football. Yeah, he's, he looks a real talent, isn't he? I remember a bit older than you, Matt. I remember seeing Ray, Wayne Rooney for the first time, and that's a, a big comparison to make because Wayne Rooney, whatever your your allegiance is, obviously because he played for Everton and Manchester United, he was an absolute wonderful footballer. Uh, I can see comparisons, you know. I can see similarities. I should say he's he's very confident, isn't he? He doesn't look sixteen when you see him play football. No, I mean in terms of his confidence, his physique as well. The, the, just the way that he can slot into a senior setup with complete ease, and you know, you'd talk to anyone about him about the way he's training at Melwood and that sort of thing, and he's just settled into to being a Liverpool player straight away. And you know, there's, there's a long way to go for for him to be a senior player at, at Liverpool. There's a lot of development that he still needs to do, but look, he's got plenty of time on, on his hands there. And, you know, it, it's such a a big chance for for him over pre-season coming up to to real. To put down a real marker, I think, to, to real, you know, prove himself to, to Jurgen Klopp even further and, and make himself a big part of this senior squad. And I'm sure that he'll get plenty more chances. You obviously mentioned the, the games that, that Neil Christie's presided over this season and, and Harvey Elliott's going to get more and more chances in those competitions and, and longer term in the Premier League and the Champions League too, I'm sure, because as you say, he's, he's got so much quality and it is very rare that you see someone having that much ability at the age of 16 and you know when you consider how much young players develop year in year out in two or three years time he's going to be a, a real scary prospect for, for defenders to take on the blood red podcast from the liverpool echo and even though he's got so much potential and so much 
time to learn and grow as a player. I think it's fair to say that we consider him as a first-team squad member now, along with Curtis Jones, Seth Vandenberg and Kiana Hoiver. Uh, and that's why they don't feature in the second part of this podcast. And it's, it's, it's the list I mentioned at the top of the podcast. It's your countdown of the top 10 players coming through. And we're going to talk for each one before we get to number one. Uh, this should be a good part of the podcast. Matt, you've got expert insight into the players coming through the academy at, at Kirby. And so let's start with number 10 who, who who's just sneaked into the top 10 yeah I mean it's, there was there was loads of players who, who could make this list and it was really difficult to put it together to be honest but uh, just sneaking in at, at number 10 is a player that I'm sure most people will, will be familiar with by now he seems to have been around forever that's Elijah Dixon Bonner still you know only just 19 which is quite remarkable when you think of how long you've been a name that's been talked about you know around at Kirby and, and around at Melwood as well and Again, a part of the FAU's winning squad last season, I think a real talented midfield player, a box-to-box player, I think, sort of a, a number eight, that, that sort of uh, player. Got a good eye for goal as well. I think he's he's at a stage now where he sort of stagnated a little bit, but he's still got a lot of talent. And, and if he can kick on a game, maybe in, in one or, or two seasons' time, go out on loan maybe to a championship club and... You know, I'm sure he's got a big future ahead of him at senior level, whether that's at Liverpool, whether that's somewhere else. You know, he's obviously got a huge amount of talent, and I know from speaking to people around the club that he's definitely one that they've got high hopes for. Good stuff. Number nine is a player who listeners may have first come aware of in a podcast that we did together not too long ago. Yeah, Tyler Morton at number nine. He was a uh, one to watch, the first one to watch that we did, I think, in, in around November or December time. So. Uh, yeah, number nine, relatively new to the scene. Um, only really established himself towards the, the sort of second half of, of the season at under 18 level. But I mean, technically, he's he's a brilliant player. He's, he's certainly what technically, you know, one of the best um, in this current group. And he's exactly the the type of player that I like watching. To be honest, I think you never want to make comparisons and say, "Oh, he's the next," you know, whoever. So I'm not not going to do that with any of these players, but. Just in, in terms of the way that he caresses the ball and, and sort of manoeuvres it into the position which he needs it to, to pass on, I think he's, he's sort of got that Coutinho sort of like quality where you know he just has that ball on a string at, at every opportunity, and you know he's not the biggest or the most physical player in the world, and, and he will have to, to work on that in the next couple of years. But you know he, he's one who technically he always stands out, and, and tactically as well, he, he seems really switched on and, and really knows what he's doing and, and real real quality player on the ball and, and works hard off it as well so it, it's a good mixture to have certainly and I think you know he's one of those players who he's always going to excite you because every time he gets the ball he gets it out of his feet and he's looking to go forward so yes yeah, certainly as I've mentioned before certainly one to watch in the coming years you mentioned Coutinho there and one of his key attributes uh, at his time at Liverpool particularly in his final season at Liverpool was the goals he contributed from midfield and number eight on your list there's another person, another player who can uh, score a few from the centre of the park Yeah, Tom Hill with, with nine from midfield this season which is uh, a really, really good total I think, you know, he's really settled into the under-18s this season he was one that didn't play at all for them last season, he was, he was a bit too young but this year, re- really, really stepped up and to be honest, I think it's quite likely that he'll move up again next season straight away in the, the under-23s I think he's played once or twice already for, for Neil Critchley before Manager departed for the under 23s uh, this season. So, certainly, I'd expect that to, to be more and more the case next season. And, 
you know, in terms of you know the, these sorts of players, each and, and every one of them is going to have to try and make themselves stand out from the crowd. You know, there's, there's so many of them who want to make it up to Melwood and, and want to make it up to senior level. And if you've got that ability, like he has, to, to put the ball in the back of the net as a midfielder, I think that can only help him and, and help his case as he looks to stand out. Most definitely. On to number seven. We talked Tyler Morton earlier. He was one of our one-to-watches and so was this lad at number seven. Yeah, Abdi Sharif. Um, he was one, I think, at the turn of the year that I uh, picked out and said it was it was a big year for him and, and certainly that is the case. I mean, he would have been a crucial player for the under-23s this season. No doubt about that. He was absolutely instrumental for the under-18s last year. And really, really unfortunate. I think it was uh, an anterior cruciate ligament injury that he picked up sort of in about the end of August, beginning of September, sometime around that period last year. And, you know, if if he hadn't have been so unfortunate, there's no doubt about it, he would have been a, a real crucial player. Um, plays out wide, normally off the right, but you can play on the left as well. And he's just one of those players that excites you. He can put the ball in the back of the net. He's got loads of quality in the final third. And, you know, with, with young players, you always wonder, you know, when they get into that final third, are they going to make the right decision? And he seems to be one that, for as long as I've been watching him, which is a couple of years now, he's never really had that issue. He's never failed to find that end product. He's always got a cross or a pass, and, and he always seems to make the right call at the right time. So, yeah, hopefully he can stay injury-free, and, and certainly he'd be a little bit higher up on this list. There's no doubt about that if he hadn't been so unfortunate for the last few months. So, yeah, certainly one to keep an eye on, him, and I'm sure he's a name that over the next few months on this podcast we're, we're just going to keep talking about and talking about a name we certainly mentioned on this podcast last season was Bobby Duncan before his uh, pretty high-profile f- falling out, if we can call it that, with the club. Uh, it doesn't look like the moves to Fiorentina's worked out too well for him. Uh, but obviously he left a bit of a void, given the amount of goals he scored last season. But number six on this list is a player who's helped fill that void. Yeah, most definitely. Um, really, really, really hard-working player, I think. Obviously, away from the goals, and, and he's got 11 goals and, and four assists in 12 league games this season to, to fill that void, as you say. And you know, away from that, to, to combine that with the, the industry and the, the sort of high press from the front, that sort of thing, that you absolutely need to be a, a Liverpool player. I think he's got the, the perfect mixture of, of talent and ability, and, and then that hard work and desire as well. So, again, uh, one that, that hadn't played at, at under 18s level really at all until this season in straight away and, and established himself and you know Barry Lutus every time I've spoken to him he's he's always been one that he's picked out and said you know obviously we, we look at the goals and we look at that sort of thing but you look at him as a as an overall rounded player as well I think he, he's just he's got so much ability and so much talent and again it, it would be no surprise at all if, if he ends up moving up to the under-23s next season and you know there's, uh, there's several players on here which you know certainly could and, and possibly even should move up to the under-23s next season, but obviously not all of them can do that. And, you know, for, for him and, and for one or two of the others that can put the ball in the back of the net, that's such a valuable skill. And, and certainly for somebody who, who plays in his position as, as the central striker as well, I think it's going to be massively important that, that he can continue getting amongst the goals. I know he, he picked up a little bit of an injury, which uh, just before the uh, the coronavirus break interrupted the season was was expected to keep him out for the remainder of the season, but uh, quite possibly by the time football comes back, he might be back and, and hopefully he can put in a few more goals before now and the end of the season to, to fire Liverpool up that table and, and catch Manchester City in the 18th league. 
Yeah, we certainly hope so. We move into the top five and at five and four are two players uh, who are only 18 years of age and the first one certainly did not look out of place against Shrewsbury and Anfield in that aforementioned FA Cup match. Uh, who's number five? Jay Kane comes in at number five just ahead of his, his uh, central mid- midfield partner, Leighton Clarkson. And yeah, as you say, both of them were, were fantastic against Shrewsbury and for both of them I was slightly concerned and I'm sure I've mentioned this before about you know, going into that FA Cup tie, you, you wondered how they would get on physically and, and you wondered whether they'd be up to it just purely because of their age, not really anything else. But uh, yeah, both of them stood up to that task really well. And I think both of them are, are sort of at a very, very similar level. Um, I've put Leighton Clarkson slightly ahead of, of Jake in, in this particular list. But, you know, that that's only really based on the fact that, that Clarkson was the first one out of the two to make that step up to Melwood. So obviously the, the club think he's slightly ahead of him but I think they're, they're both very similar ages and, and very similar in terms of ability so you know it, it's going to be very tight between the pair of them and, and both of them are maybe not conventionally Jurgen Klopp midfielders I think Jake is, is a bit more of a number eight who likes to get forward and create things and, and Leighton Clarkson's probably uh, more of a, a Jordan Henderson number six type player um, rather than a, a Fabinho he, he, you know he, he does have a, a tough tackle in him and, and that sort of thing but, but both of them are sort of more passive of the ball and obviously don't lack the, the physique or anything like that but uh, yeah certainly both of those two players are you know really really crucial at, at their age group and I'd imagine both of them will, will go on to have really really good careers whether that's uh, at Liverpool or, or elsewhere and just a, a quick one on, on Leighton Clarkson as well. I was reading Simon Hughes' piece um, about about the, the academy as a whole and, and Clarkson was one that he picked out and, and sort of said that Liverpool, when he was younger, would, would drive him to and from where he lived on the other side of Blackburn in, in a place called Clitheroe. And, you know, it, that's just, you know, it's about an hour or so drive each way and obviously on the on the part of Clarkson, it, it shows dedication for him to, to be doing that every day. But it shows from the club as well that they've obviously valued him from a very young age and thought that he was a good player and enough to make them put that commitment in place so for him to, to still be there and for him to, to still be putting in the hard yards it, it just goes to show that you know if you treat players well younger on you know earlier in their careers as they get older they can uh, can pay you back certainly can that Simon Hughes piece is on the Athletics website and app if, if you are a subscriber to uh, the service definitely uh, get a read of that it's an engrossing read you're probably going to need a little time to read it as me and Matt have done because it is a lengthy piece but uh, all the better for it yeah do check that out uh, and also check out on our Blood Red YouTube channel you've got uh, Paul Ghost on there answering questions from Liverpool fans mostly about transfers and one of the ones that came up today was about a potential backup to, to left uh, to Andy Roberts at left back which we all believe will be a position Jurgen Klopp looks to fill this summer but number three on your list is a player who actually could do that if he wants to look in house Klopp yeah definitely I'm, I'm sure um, Jurgen Klopp will, will be aware of him and will be considering you know whether Adam Lewis is, is ready to make that step up full time to be Andy Robertson's backup and you know again one that seems to have been on the cusp of that first team for a long long time but still only 20 and you know, I expected him to, to step up last season only for, for injuries to get in the way. And, you know, I think there's a, a real good opportunity for him this summer, particularly now with the, the transfer market being slightly disrupted and that sort of thing. I think Premier League clubs and, and Liverpool obviously being one of those will will look to their academies a little bit more potentially next season in, in terms of 
not being able to get transfer deals done quite so easily. And, and that might give Adam Lewis uh, an opportunity to really establish himself at Liverpool. I think he's in the perfect place. And I think he's such a talented player. He's, he's been unlucky at times. I think there's been a couple of occasions, certainly last summer and maybe once or twice before that as well, where he was on the verge of, of getting an opportunity for the first team and, and got injured at the wrong time or or certain things happened in, you know, in not in the in the best possible way for him to get that opportunity. And you do need a bit of luck from time to time, and, and hopefully he can get that this summer. Establish himself, you know, impress in pre-season, and make sure that Jurgen Klopp doesn't send him out on loan next season. Make sure that he keeps him around just in case something does happen to Andy Robertson. Look, you, you've seen with Trent Alexander-Arnold in the past, if these young players get an opportunity at first team level, you never know what can happen. And certainly, Adam Lewis is. He's got plenty of quality and plenty of talent, but he just needs that chance at first-team level to, to really put himself into the limelight. You talk about luck, which is a big part of uh, any player's development. And uh, number two on the list, there's not had much of that lately, but there's no disputing how good a young player he is. And, and that's uh, underlined by the fact that you've got him second. Yeah, Paul Glatzel, um, an absolutely fantastic footballer, certainly one that Liverpool value really, really highly. And again, you know, you mentioned luck and you mentioned injuries all the time with these players and you do need a, a little bit of good fortune at times and, and certainly he didn't get that last season. Got that knee ligament injury, I think it was, uh, against Tramier Rovers in pre-season. You know, I was there for, for that match actually covering that game and at the time you, you just felt for him so, so much because I think he was on the verge of, of travelling to the US with Liverpool's first team and and going on that and you know it, that just got took away from him with a, a real cruel blow really it was uh, innocuous it, it was one of those which sometimes they are the worst type of injuries where there's no real contact it's just an unfortunate one and there was nothing that he could do and look he's he's bounced back from, from big injuries as, as we've spoken about before you know he's bounced back mentally really really strongly in the past and, and there's no reason to think that he can't do that again so yeah fingers crossed this summer can, can be the chance that sort of cancels out the, the misfortune of last season and, and certainly I think if, if he gets a chance he'll put it in the back of the net I've mentioned his mentality he's obviously the, the captain as well when, when he's on the pitch for the under 23s and, or under 18s I should have said um, last season so you know he, he's got all of the attributes again a goal scorer hard working you know ev- everything you could want really and you know uh, we talk about young players coming through the system getting booked and that leads us to number one on your list there. Go on, reveal. Who do you think is the top young player coming through the academy? Yeah, um, and another one of those who is sort of on the cusp of, you know, do I include him as a first-team player or, or an academy player? But yeah, Nico Williams is, is number one. I think is certainly, it, it, you know, it's not a name that people will be unaware of at this stage. I think he's played five times now for, for the senior setup, but... Yeah, I think next season is going to be huge for him. I think it's uh, absolutely the right time for him to make that step up. And I know he's been been speaking today about um, sort of the influence that, that Trent Alexander-Arnold has had on him. And you can read those quotes on the Echo website. Uh, really, really interesting, actually, just sort of uh, to touch on that, just, you know, how he's developed and, and sort of how he's trying to, to mould himself into a Liverpool player and, I wouldn't be surprised if, again, in pre-season he gets that opportunity, but, but certainly next season as well. There's no reason why he can't go on and, and be Liverpool's backup right back rather than you know using James Milner or, or Jordan Henderson or, or whoever else has played there for Liverpool's team when when Alexander Arnold's been missing. I think 
Nathaniel Klein will move on this summer and I think Nico Williams is, is absolutely ready to, to step up into that void. No doubt about that. I think uh, he was sort of in contention for, for Wales' Euro 2020 squad this summer. Obviously, the Euro's now been put back a year. For me, that, that works really well for him. I think by that time, he'll, he'll probably have made a, a good number of appearances for Liverpool's first team. And yeah, I, I'd be surprised at this stage, given his rate of progression, as long as he can stay injury-free and, and get a little bit of luck on, on that side of things. You know, I'd be surprised if he doesn't end up going to the Euros in, in 2021 completely agree that was brilliant Matt really appreciate that but before we sign off for this podcast it goes to it goes a lot to say that there was a number of players who nearly made the list uh, and just one some you want to mention before we finish you know the ones who came desperately close to getting into that top 10 yeah uh, just mainly uh, just because you know it, it sort of feels a little bit harsh to, to leave one or two of these players out obviously there'll be a, a few people listening to the podcast saying you know well, where was he or, or where was he because there's been a few different stories over the last few weeks about you know these young players coming through and, and certainly James Balagizi is, is one that I've seen a, a few people talking about recently I think again you know the, the only reason that he missed out was, was mainly because of his age you know he's, he's only just coming to the under 18s and, and maybe if we do this list again in, in a year or so's time certainly he'd be on there and it's a similar story with the likes of Jack Bean, Niall Brookwell as well, Billy Cometio, Max Waltman. You know, Liverpool have got so many young players sort of on that cusp of, of under 16 to under 18, you know, even under 18 to, to under 23s in the case of Jack Bean. And, you know, it, it, the fact that I had to, to narrow this list down to 10 and really, really struggled with that just shows how many really good players there are that, that are coming through Liverpool's system at the moment. It really does. And again, it kind of underlines, we, we know the most serious thing in the world is everyone's health and safety. But, you know, there's so much to look forward to when football returns. Not obviously, not only obviously the actual first team winning the Premier League title after 30 years, but it does feel that probably for not only at first team level is it as strong as it's been for a number of years. It seems to be exactly the same at under 23 and under 18s level. It just feels everything about the club is, is on the right track. Yeah, 100%, I think. Obviously, uh, I mentioned Balagizi there. He was he was brought in from Manchester City five or six years ago, and you know the fact that a player has chosen to to leave one of the big clubs in in England to go to another one in Liverpool just sort of shows that you know Jurgen Klopp has, has promoted players. We've spoken about Trent Alexander-Arnold, and, and there's going to be at least one or two more between you know now and, and next season. Curtis Jones and, and Nico Williams, the obvious two, but but maybe one or two others as well. And, it just goes to show, really, that, that that's really paying off for, for Jurgen Klopp and his staff. That they're prepared to trust these players. They're prepared to, to trust the, the verdict of, of the staff at the academy, who know that these players are, are really exceptional talents. And you know, the, the fact that people like Balagizi and, and several others as well can, can look at that and go, "Well, look, if I go to Liverpool, there's a good chance that I can make it at senior level." I think that you know can, can only be a good thing. And obviously, Liverpool will, will reap the benefits of that going forward. Talk about players making it at senior level. Our next Academy Show podcast, we believe we're going to look at the uh, best players to come through the Academy, you know, from Kirby and, and previously at different sites before that. Uh, but in the meantime, we've just got to cross our fingers and hope the situation improves in the country and, and football returns, including Liverpool's under-18s and under-23s. And also in the meantime, you can send your questions to Matt, who's on Twitter at MattAddison97. Is that right, mate? Yeah, that's correct. If, if anyone's got any sort of queries or questions or, or even any sort of content that you'd like us to, to produce on the podcast in future, obviously, we're, we're always open to ideas. And 
if anybody's uh, got any burning questions that, that have come out of this podcast or, or things that you've watched in the past, then yeah, feel free to, to get in touch and I will get back to you. Yeah, definitely. Just, you can also check myself out on Twitter, which is at Paul Wheelock, capital P, capital W. And if you're not a member already, there is a Blood Red podcast Facebook page. Uh, just check it out on Facebook and then apply to join and we'll get you in there. There's really good community there of Liverpool supporters talking about all different things and, and actually suggesting suge- suggesting shows, I should say, to uh, people like myself and Matt, which we will endeavour to do over the coming weeks, particularly when there is no football to talk about. But given this is Liverpool Football Club, there will always be things going on we just hope as I said a moment ago that the football returns in due time but for now thanks very much for joining us and we'll see you again soon you've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo